Well, welcome back to the Have You Tried Rebooting podcast. So sorry, we've taken a couple of weeks off. Just life has been crazy. We got super busy uh, at church, and then on top of that, my wife and I have been up to lots and lots of different projects. Yeah, I've had a bazillion shows and don't, and, and day shows. Yeah. It's very, it's nice in the summer, but it's... I guess it's just been doing so much winter stuff. It's like, what? You want me to show up at, you know, for a four o'clock show? I have to get there at one. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny stories like uh, trying to line up two uh, two people who work full time at different places trying to line their schedules up is quite difficult. Yeah. Right. No. Today we wanted to cover the topic of stage volume. Yep. We had somebody comment uh, that they wanted to kind of hear somebody talk about the idea of using drums in a small room particularly, um, but also like having a bass amp or a guitar amp on stage versus in another room versus just using an emulator. And then on top of that is uh, wedges versus in-ear monitors. Mm -hmm. All good topics. I think a lot of us probably don't even deal with some of those these days. Yeah. Yeah. Where should, which one should we start with? Should we go in order? Let's start with wedges versus in-ear monitors. Okay. Uh, I I haven't worked with wedges in a very long time in a church environment. Yeah. Since I've been here, with the exception of a couple choir, there's a choir or special event like Easter and stuff. Yep. Um, and those are very manageable because it's like one or two. Yeah. You know, it's not... It's easy. An excessive amount. Um, it's when everybody on stage wants their own mix in there. I mean, if, I don't know, my opinion is if you're in an environment like that, then you should be using ears. Yeah. If you want your own mix, use ears. The purpose of wedges is to get you to compensate what you cannot hear yeah. with your naked ear if you're not using ears. So we we at our at our big campus we use a mixture of both but we're primarily ears we have wedges set up for like our our preaching team oh really uh-huh so when but you're you standing have a pretty deep stage though i guess we huh? do and when you're standing on that stage and you're talking your voice kind of gets lost in the room and you can't really hear yourself that's fair and so especially when we have two people and they're supposed to be interacting with each other oh, like during yeah. announcements it's just easier to have the wedge there well, that so, makes sense, but I don't think that would cause you very much of a problem, you know, because normally no. it's when you're pumping lots of stuff at the same right. time. That it now, fun. during, like, uh, worship, we'll pump the um, piano and the vocals to those wedges, too, because our, our worship leader, he'll pull out an ear occasionally, and he wants to hear the room, which, again, we have the same problem. Do you have room mics? We do. I don't, I, I, he I wants don't to understand hear the, He wants to hear the natural sound of the room. I just, I never, like, yeah. the studies that show the amount of hearing damage you take from doing that, I will never understand why people do that. Probably because yeah. they don't read the studies, but... Oh, no, he knows. He's you know, aware. I just, uh, I can't, I, I've been telling I don't that. condone that at all I've been as telling, a drummer. I've been telling people that for years. It's like, the, mm -hmm. if you pull one side out, it's not just volume anymore, because especially if you have a molded in-ear, mm -hmm. it seals. Yeah. And then it's a pressure difference between your two ears, and that actually causes damage. Not just it's not I don't just even think volume. about that part. Uh huh. I mean, it's also the constant exposure to way too loud. Yeah. You know, being on stage that most old musicians like 
not age old, like old from the days of no in your yep. in years suffer from. Yep. Um. No, yeah, but, I don't condone that. Yeah. No. Uh, definitely. If you're going to use in ear monitors, wear both at all times, or well, take and, them both out. And part of the in ear discussion too, uh, if you're volunteering to serve the church, which is what you're doing, if you're on the music team, mm-hmm. the primary goal of what you're doing is not for you to have a good time. It's not for you to have a stellar mix in your ears. It's for you to hear what you need to be successful to create a worship experience for everybody else. It goes back Correct. to that discussion we had on day one. Yep. Right? Like, what's so, the purpose of what we're doing here? Like, I mean, you could go up there and listen to my, when I drum, my my ears mix. I mean, first of all, I have to turn the click way down because I have the sealed ears. But it's, you know, click just loud enough that it'll poke out if I'm out of time. Yeah. Bass, guitar, lead keys, and like the lead vocal. The other ones are there a little bit. We yeah. we pass the songs around a lot, so like I have them panned out. So like if someone else is leading, I can hear them. But it's the worship leader that's most of the way up because Who's he's up front and center, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's it. You know, there's... and if you have an MD, it would be the MD. Yeah, there'd be an, there'd be the an MD in there too. But like yeah. you know, we have some other guitars. Like are there audition people during rehearsals? And I mean, I don't even turn them on. I was like, I don't. That's well, in no way going to help me right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's not going to help me right now. I don't need to hear what you're doing. No. Now, I don't think you should have people off, but I bury them a lot. And, and it also depends on the caliber of your team. You know, I was, right. we were having a discussion about this the other day because I was like, well, um, we did this warm up thing where we just played, like, we just jammed for like 10 minutes. Well, and I, and so like he's doing all these exercises with the vocalists. And and then I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right. So I like tried to like go into like a halftime thing or something, and just the band just right through it. Just kept. I was like, guys, listen to what people are doing. Yeah. You know, like engage right. with people. So like, if you have them off in your ears, you can't in-ear, have a musical conversation. In ear monitors are much more. Um, <clears throat> they they lean themselves more toward the band listening to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, wedges can only go so far. It also lets you communicate, like, um, like you were saying, MD. It lets front of house talk to you. Yep. If something happens during the show, I've, I've, uh, when I freelance, there's been a couple shows where I did have a talk back, and I can go, hey, um, they wanted me to tell you to make this announcement, yeah, you know, or something like that. We had a, a youth event a couple nights ago. And the tracks computer is on stage, and it's we're getting out of announcements and into worship, and it just died. Oh, and uh, I'm just watching the worship leader and the keyboardist, like keyboardists playing to keep it from being super empty, you know. And I just watch them both panicking, looking for a way to fix it. And I just hop in the talkback. I'm like, "Hey, check the power cord." Because it's an older oh, mag, the ones, ones that falls out. Uh, it's yeah. well, it's the MagSafe ones. Yeah, and I'm, I was like, I was like, I guarantee you, somebody hit it with their foot and it just came slightly un- unplugged. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly what happened. However, her computer then proceeded to try to boot to from yeah. the uh, wrong drive, from the external drive, Ugh. and so they couldn't ever get it back up. But I, I showed the worship leader what happened there. And it's yeah. just simple. Hey. You don't have to um, eject a drive that's plugged into a computer that's turned off. 
Oh, yeah. And right. She was under yeah. the understanding it had to stay plugged in until you turn the computer back on and then eject it. And I was just like, no, you just yeah. unplug it, boot the computer, plug it back in. Good yep. to go. Yeah. So, I mean, depending on your environment, though, you know, if you're in a pretty production-heavy environment, I think there's very clear advantages to using years. Oh, yeah. Um, and it also, it again, goes into the environment, which is what you were saying. Like, we had a guest last week over at our smaller campus who requested – a wedge. Mm-hmm. And so I explained to him, I'm like, we can get you a wedge, but the wedge can only go up to this volume. It cannot go louder because we have oh, a yeah. very live room and what's directly behind our, um, uh, our stage is our led wall. And so that just is going to reflect all of his wedge oh, out yeah. into the room. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, I was like, there's nothing I can do to add any kind of sound deadening behind you. Like, we're we're yep. at a loss here. You can have a wedge if you want, but this is as loud as it goes. And he decided ultimately it wasn't loud enough for him, and so he yeah. jumped over to ears. Ears. Yeah, I, there there I don't know. There's very few situations I've run into where, outside of I don't want to use them, ears yeah. are not the better choice. Again, like I said, choirs and some stuff like that. Like there's not, you know, unless you have a lot of money, there's not an easy way around that. You know, that's mega antenna combining to get wireless packs for the whole choir. Well, who said they had to be wireless? That's true. There are wired ones that you can do. Again, though, if everyone wants their own mix, I, I don't know about you, but yeah. my console doesn't have that many outputs. I, I, I am not. For a choir and for an orchestra. have a console yeah. for that. Yeah. Even uh, that, you you might have to have two. Two. Depending yeah. on how big the choir, choir is. Choir left console, choir right console. Yep. <laughs> that's funny. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, and then that transitions into the the rest of the whole stage volume, everything, right? You know, so then the same logic goes to guitar amps, I guess. Yeah, and uh, stuff. Who who still uses guitar amps on their stages? In a church setting, I'm assuming we're talking. Right. Uh, most most people, even even large bands that I've seen, have started moving. Oh yeah, away from live amp and. To emulators because they've gotten really good over the years. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We run two uh, helixes and that's yep. it, which is just a left, right, direct. Yep. And that's what's pretty solid tone. Um, a couple of people use Axe Effects. The guys I travel with, we still use an amp. And yeah. I actually just take the top of my road case and put it in front of the amp. Yep. For we, bar stuff. I mean, even when we're out, even some of the last couple outside things, just so the front rows aren't getting a lot of it, so I can crank it in the PA more. But, yep. um, you know, I've tried to convince them to get a emulator, mainly so it's in stereo. And I was like, someday I'm going to buy just one of those pedal amp, like just yep. straight amp sims, but it's not like the Helix, just like a pedal that takes your guitar feed and makes it a stereo feed, just so there's width, but... Um, yeah. I did a, a summer camp at my last church and we had the band come in, like we, we hired an outside band to come lead worship for the summer camp for the students. Okay. Um, and he came in with this really nice pedal board that had that stereo out and everything, but then he ran amps. Oh, he had like a stereo, stereo so, out for amps or he had a stereo out amp simulator? He had a stereo out for amps. Four amps. Yeah, so he actually had, and that's like part of the discussion with like the really high-end guitar guys is like they'll have a pedal board where like their left feed is different from their right feed. Uh-huh. And then you have two amps, which yep. is twice the problem. Well, so for me there, at least like the way that building was built, 
um, we had a choir loft that we didn't really use anymore. And then there were stairwells up to that choir loft. And so I invested in some uh, noise cancellation and oh, I yeah. put all, I moved the amps off stage. Yeah. Smaller room. Our ceiling was 18 feet. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't a super high ceiling. Now it was a, it was a ceiling tile ceiling. So it wasn't like it was um, just reflecting right off of that. Cause luckily with that, you get some absorption into yeah. it, which is nice. But I was like, we can't have, because then the bass player wanted his amp out there. Plus, yep. we had an acoustic kit. I'm like, we we can't. Yeah, that's too can't. much volume. Yeah, well, and you have to make. It goes back to that same discussion. You know, if you're up there for the sake of creating a, a experience for other people, like we have to make that choice for those people, right. for the for the group of the you know the greater good there. And even even if you're in a smaller room, choose the what's better for the fifty people in the room yeah. versus the one person playing the instrument. No, on I mean, stage. I mean, if you're, you know, if you have a nice enough room and a nice enough system where you can actually, you know, take advantage of that difference of miking a cabinet. Yeah. Okay, great. You know, when I first came to where I'm at now, we had and we actually, they're still there. We haven't taken them all apart yet. Like someone had built ISO chambers and boots and. They're wood boxes that seal all the way with a fan to cool it. Nice. You put your amp in, and it's got, like, I don't know if it's foam or pillows with fabric over mm-hmm. it, and it is, surrounds the thing. So we they would run all their amps with an SGI extender back into the system. We used to have those um, for at the church I'm at now in the student worship center. I don't know mm-hmm. if those and this is back when I was here before, so this would have been almost five years ago. I don't know. I haven't seen them in a while, so I don't think that they still exist. But, like, behind our main worship center, we have the green room and then three other rooms oh, that yeah. are all um, – two of them were, were storage for a while – um, but they're all actually, when we, the building was built, they're dedicated amp rooms. Oh, nice. So we have, Jeez. we have, they're all perfectly acoustically treated. They have tie lines back to the stage. They have tie lines up. To, I mean, there's even comm tie lines in there. So if you really needed somebody in there to be able to plug into a comm system, it's right there. Jeez. Those those rooms are over-engineered and I'm kind of sad that they've been used as uh, storage. Yeah. They're actually getting converted now into offices, but the tie lines are going to stay and the sound stuff is going to stay. Yeah, that makes sense. We haven't used an amp in any of those rooms in a year. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we're, I mean, we have one of those ISO chambers like under our lower stage because it's hollow. So oh. they built one of those in there. So I was like, even if we take the other ones apart, we can leave that one. So if someone yeah. shows up with an amp, chuck it in the understage, which I'm sure that's going to be great for the low mids. But, you know, all things considered, we have it there. And, yeah, but no one's doing that anymore. Everyone's got, you know, whether it be a Helix or an Axe FX or whatever, like. Yeah. That's just. I mean, even if you go to a, a concert, like. Um, yeah, a lot of the big guys are using those, too. But, you know, in church world specifically, it's pretty, yeah. st- like standard oh i'm more than standard it's like well it's like if you look at uh the at, way to do it at concerts in the the 80s and 90s you know everybody was traveling with those giant stacks of amplifiers oh yeah and then you saw rush come in and they just started stacking washers and dryers to poke fun at the people who had <sighs> traveled with the big amps because everybody knows you don't necessarily need a big amp you can get away with a small one yeah um, I know that there are some guitarists though that are very particular about their tone and they want the tone of the amp. And so it's I fine. everything that I can, I 
we'll do what exactly what we need to do to get the sound that they want. Right. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, but... but especially in smaller rooms, and when I say smaller, I'm talking 800 or less probably, move that amp off stage. Put it somewhere else. You still yeah. get the tone that they're looking for, but you can control the environment of the room a lot better and keep it a lot cleaner, which will help everybody's experience in that service. Right. Yep. Now, the the last piece, drums. drums. I'll let you go first for this because I can get on a soapbox very easily. I think we both are. We we both now, you're a lot more experienced at drumming than I am, but we, we both play. <clears throat> we both are in the no electric drum sets, all acoustic. No, we're not. No? No, we're not. <laughs> I have never heard an, an electric kit that I liked. Yeah, because no one is, no. you probably never worked with anyone that's willing to invest the money. Oh, that's fair. I had a buddy um, in Columbus before I moved out here that um, invested enough for it to be solid, and I played on it. And and you have to ask the question. Don't get me wrong. I like I I like to play acoustic drums, and I have some ideas of how to bring the two together if I had money, extra money, just yep. to play around with it. But he spent enough money. He had the Slate sample pack hooked up to like a high, it was either the mm. highest end Alesis or a very high end Yamaha. Okay. So the heads felt pretty real. Okay. Um, See, that's my, outside of the sound, it's the way they play. Yep. I, and I, so I play, I played for him once or twice. And uh, as a drummer, this goes back to that same discussion in church world. It's the same as the amps and stuff. At what point is the compromise worth it? Yeah. If your room is a 20 by 20 foot square, yep. your drummer can deal with it for the sake of the people. Uh-huh. Right? Put your ego aside. This is coming from someone with a percussion degree that very much right. likes to play acoustic drums. Now, if you want to get into the whole discussion about how they feel, I haven't gotten to try it yet, but I've been wanting to... Um, there are companies that make like acoustic triggers... Yeah. So it's not an electric drum. It's an acoustic. So you take an acoustic drum, take the top head off, put a mesh practice head on. Now you say that's not going to do anything, but it will because you still have a bottom head on. Therefore, you have an air chamber. What you're missing is an air the air chamber. You're not missing the mm. drum itself. You're missing the the fact that when you hit that head, the air bounces and pushes back. Right. Well, so and it's mesh, so it's not going to be the same. But I have a hunch that putting a practice head with a bottom head, is going to create most well, of that missing feeling. So I played on a kit in uh, at my last church. We had a, an, an acoustic kit that had electric heads on it, and they all had bottom heads. Was so, it mesh heads? No. Electric heads? So it was a rubber head Ew. That was that's designed to be installed on an yeah, acoustic no. kit. No, nope. This would be the same mesh that you have on regular electric drums, which doesn't feel bad, usually. It's not terrible. It does, the good ones respond pretty close. Okay. Right? Um, But it's that air chamber that's missing. So I have a hunch that, you know, so anyone that is listening that has a lot of money that wants to try this, let me know if you do. I will come to you to try it because I want to know what it's like. Mesh head on the top, regular head on the bottom, acoustic drum trigger, right? Which 
picks up when you hit the drum mm-hmm. and sends it into a computer. Um, yeah, but- kick drum is pretty regular. You could do that with a regular mic or a trigger if you want. But then, okay, so we go more. So that's the drum part of it. The next part of the problem is those stupid rubber cymbals. Yeah. No. There's a company called Joe Becky. I believe they're in Europe. They make hand-hammered brass e-cymbals. So oh. they're actually made of metal. Okay. So when you hit them, they'll feel like metal, but they're not ridiculously loud. They're meant to be electric cymbals. Interesting. And they have zones, you know, three or four zones. If you get the nice ones, just, you yep. know, rim, dome. Again, all that stuff. Again, we're talking money. I mean, it's not terrible. I look, you know, it's. I mean, it's probably two or three, two grand for a kit. But how much do you pay for a good acoustic kit? Also fair. You know, I. I mean, it, it comes down to apples and oranges, but you have to be willing to invest in it. Right. The thing that kills you in electric drum world is that. So first of all, you have to buy good hardware, but you also have to then spend money on a good computer. Yeah. If you're going to do this, or a brain. I, I'm a computer person personally. Well, so yeah. I hook mine up to my MacBook or whatever. That's another thousand dollars running Superior Drummer, which is three or four hundred dollars. Right. Some guys use Slate. I like Superior Drummer because I can use it when I record in the studio to replace. Yeah. Like if I re- record someone live and their snare sucks, I can swap the snare out and it will replace all the snare hits with another snare. And it's really good at that. That's fair. And it sounds. I mean. If you take the time to dial it in, it sounds pretty real. But, like, you can also stack drums on top of each other. So, like, so when I play a snare, I, I can play yeah. three snares. Um, you can tie it into Ableton or stuff. So when you load, you know, like, He Shall Rain, the Christmas song with that goo that big synth kick drum thing in the beginning, uh-huh. you can start He Shall Rain and press a button, and now your kick drum is goo instead of a kick drum. I don't know. See, I just I don't know how I feel about that. I see the usefulness of it. You have to be. You have to be willing to make the investment. Yeah, I like acoustic drums too, and I've, I've, like, I would, I would be. I'm with you in the fact right now that I would never pick one over the other unless someone's like gonna give me the money to put it together and do it right. Yeah. Well, and it's like, um, you made the point that like a good acoustic set is gonna cost five, six grand anyway. You should come over sometime if they ever have me play for student ministries again. Yeah. Because I always hook my rig up and everyone's like, why does it sound so much better this week? <laughs> okay. Because I have the software. I ha- And I've taken enough, like, I don't spend a lot of time, but I've taken time to dial it in for that room. So yep. it sounds-ish okay. But it's better than the stock brand. Like, it, it's like any audio signal path. Every stage matters. And when you're yep. trying to, well, it's like you're trying so- to remake something acoustic... It's even more important that you make sure you have high quality from the beginning all the way through the system. Do not skimp. Uh, It's like for our um, 1,800-seat space. Yeah. I wouldn't ever want to see an electric kit in there. You know? I'd still want to hear it. It would be interesting. If you have the right sounds, the sound guy would love it. Yeah, but like in in a space that size, you don't even necessarily need a shield. Oh yeah, our stage is super deep. We could just drop the the drums further back if it's. But an imagine, issue. for I mean, bro- for broadcast and as a sound guy, if every piece of the kit had zero bleed, and sounded like it was in the recording studio. See, I I shouldn't even say zero bleed because the good emulators these days will actually re-emulate studio bleed, but at a manageable level. Here's the thing, 
yes, that would sound super good, super clean, super crisp, but then it sounds way more produced and a lot less authentic. Potentially. Depends on how you mix it back in. But then, so let me ask you another question then. Why is it okay to use amp emulators and not drum emulators? Well, because so when, when you have an amp, most of the time the sound and the tone that they're looking for, for is either from that, like, tube it's not usually from the speaker cone. Yeah, from the tube. Right. So you so could you just run a tube emulator or like a tube hardware then or yeah. something? So like one of our guys wants to use his amp because it's got the tone he wants. So we just we run it. We run his. We turn the speaker cabinet off in his amp and we just run his XLR out. That's fair. So he's still getting the amp sound that he's looking for. Um, and then when we can, he does like having it go I was going to say, I would imagine that people like that would argue that if you're distorting the speaker a little bit, you can't do that off of DI. Yes. Which, again, my question then becomes, why is it so poo-poo to use drum emulators but not guitar, em- or guitar emulators but not drum emulators? Well, or like main stage instead of an acoustical grand piano, why is it okay to use main stage or Nords or whatever, uh, you know? That's... Like, just, I think drummers are the last of the purest, like, oh, it's got to be this and this and this. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are. Um, I'm not going to say that you're wrong on that one, but, like, it's a lot more diffi- difficult to emulate the sound of a oh, stick hitting something. It is. You know, because when you play, um, most of the kits that I've played on are pressure sensitive, I say mm-hmm. in quotes, but, like, they're not as pressure sensitive as, like, I if can I drum were, roll on mine. Oh, nice. But, like, they're not pressure-sensitive enough to go from a super very light tap to Yeah, you got to come it. over sometime. You can, there's actually a, you know, like, uh, you ever poke around in, like, uh, one of the Rolly synths or any of the synth modules you put in, like, an instrument plug-in? Yeah. Where you have, like, the ADSR stuff, and you can go in and change your velocity curves and all that? Like, you can actually go into the snare hit and set a curve. So, like, when you're playing this low, it, like, so, like, if you wanted to play, when you play low, if it's not low enough, you can set the curve as, like, a, a that parallel curve kind of thing. So, I like, would be... you play lower, and it plays lower until you get to a certain point, and then it behaves normally. Yeah, no, I would be, I would be curious to throw your electric kit in our smaller space and just see... Um, because we have, I will say our electric kit, the one thing I wish they would have bought is the nicer kit. The, 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 a lot of the drums don't have zones. Ah, um, you know, so like, uh, like the guy I was telling you about in Columbus, you know, there was a specific part, like there was a add on to the drum where you could hit it for like a rim knock. Yeah. Or yeah. And it would detect rim shots. Like a lot of the nice ones will detect most of the extended technique stuff. You just, again, have to buy those. So we don't have but, some of those, which drives me crazy sometimes. But if you're really smart and you're sitting there and, it, and you really need it for like songs like Alive or something where the snare is a hand clap, like I just go in and map one of the extra toms to a clap or a rim thing so I can just grab it. And then it's only for that song. And then I just save another thing and I load a different yeah. song. Yeah, no, our... um. Our worship uh, director out at our smaller campus um, hates the look of the drum set in the full fishbowl, which I don't blame him. I don't like how it looks either. And personally, as a drummer, I don't like how it sounds because it just kind of mashes everything together. Well, you're you're about to take us to the next part of this discussion, which is not the electric versus acoustic, but the volume, which is what we kind of started with here. You know, I mean... 
I think I think the question I just asked was very valid though. Like, why is yeah. it okay to use Axe Effects but not electric drums? Right. But well, you have to you have to be willing to invest to get the same quality. Right. But then the next step is okay. We're not going to use electric drums. That's fine. I'm not telling you you shouldn't. I just hate it when people are like well, not even willing to talk about it because there's a lot of people there. Like, oh, I can't do that. Why not? Oh, it's not the same. Why not? Have you tried it? Well, as so, someone that yeah. is like literally a, like that. That's why I went to school for. You would think if I'm open to the concept of it, that Mister, I play at my church two times a week should have no reason at least having an open mind enough to sit down and try something cool. Well, yeah. I think of most people that are like me that would instantly kind of like shut out the idea um, are comparing it to the $500 budget kit (laughs) or budget electric kit or even the $3,500 kits. Like even those aren't great. Yeah. Well, and like anything with those, it's, I mean, these days, even on your acoustic kit and when you're doing online, you have to sit down and like, Spend time mm-hmm. tuning it and spend yep. time, you know, well, like picking a, your symbols. And one of our, one of our big, one of my biggest complaints when I go back and I listen to our our live stream, I was just like, oh, no one tuned the kit this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah, you know that, but whose job is that? That should land back on the worship team. Yeah, and the worship director. Yep. However, for us, our worship director doesn't play drums. Right. And there's no one so else. Then do you there's... farm that to one of the drummers? Yeah, I, right. We have the same problem. I understand. And, but... and I'm the only staff member that actually plays, but I never, like, the last time I tuned it, they're like, no, we don't like how it's tuned, and they tuned it differently. And then I listened to the live stream, and I'm like, what? You made them tune it at least. Well, they tuned it terribly. Make them do it <laughs> terribly enough times, it won't be terrible anymore. That's fair. Um, that's fair you know but yeah so then you get into so then we get into cage drums or cageless drums right and that again one it depends on your space I I have a very I have a very hard stance on this one but I'll let you go uh, depends on your space (laughs) Uh, two whenever possible don't use them Um, or do like cymbal baffles or um, like what we have at our big campus is a half height so it's only four feet tall um because if you get up super high, all of the sound is comes out of your drums and then gets redirected back in, and then you have a resonation problem. Uh, yep. And so, like, at our small campus, we have to. There, there's no way to not. Um, I disagree. Uh, rods and people who play more dynamically, yes. But when your players don't play dynamically and just hit things as hard as they can there's not with an acoustic set there's not really a way around it education correct education is the solution when anyone ever says this i've actually gotten complimented for how softly i played once not in church this was this was a it was an upright bass jazz recital in a very live room and i was playing a folk hit yeah with sticks Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you have a player that plays dynamically and that mm-hmm. understands that they have to play to the room, not to their preference. Yeah, which should be every player. Should be, but is not. Yeah. But in my, it, it, to me, that's an education problem. Well, right? that's like a, you, if you're not ready to be on the team because you need to play like a rock star, you're not you, you're not ready to be on the team. That, you can come to rehearsal. That's you can the keep same running rehearsals, but you're not going to gonna play like, on Sunday. Um, guitar players, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, <laughs> right. They get lost doing a solo or something. Yeah. 
because they were trying to look cool, not because the solo was in the song. They were yep. just freelancing it, and they get lost yep. several times over. Same idea. It's the so same thing. My like, my approach to that is you should not be up there if you can't play the room. Yeah. And, or I mean, if you and, don't know what play the room means. Yep. And it, it's, it's I mean, so there, there's a couple pieces to that, though, especially these days. So first of all, you need to have a relationship with your sound guy. Yep. You need to trust your sound guy. Yep. He knows what he's talking about. He's the one making the room sound good. If you're playing so loud that his he has to set the mix 10 dB hotter than usual, you're going to have a problem. Yep. Actually, we're like probably going to have this discussion at our next meeting because we've had several people that are not regular drummers recently. Our guy this week's bringing his own cymbals. Um, when we removed the cage, we were very conscious about we're playing K-Darks. Yeah. For a reason. People are using the house kit. For playing a our stuff for a reason. Yeah, the only thing that yeah. I'll like allow again in quotes to change is the snare. Yeah. Yep. Like, so and, and and again, and you know, our worship leader is not a drummer at all, and we've never had to deal with that because it's only been the same two people, and or yeah, like all the people that were in this rotation for a while were people that were there during the era that we did that, that yeah. knew that rule and why they helped us pick stuff out. Right. So to sit down and define that like so so that's something that every piece of that is done for a reason yeah um you know and then you're keeping your volume down but then we also kind of got everyone out of playing loud Mm -hmm. like there was a time i had to sub in because someone was late for sunday morning rehearsal yeah and i was like well i'm running roaming cam i'll just I can sit in so you guys can rehearse with drums and yeah. set the room mix. And I came back and the front uh, front house guy's like, why do you play so soft? I was like, what? I was like, I don't play that soft. I was like, everyone else just plays so loud. Yeah. And I was like, you don't have to, you don't have to have like a 20 inch stick height to make the drum talk. Well, that's, um, we're kind of diving more into now the mindset of a drummer. But True. Like, more of your sound and a lot of your control f- comes from your wrists. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're doing a big thing, yeah, okay, you're going to have a high stick height. But yeah. your your regular average playing height does not have to be above your head. I promise right. it doesn't. Yeah. I it actually makes to, your life harder. I don't need to lift my stick to my, the level of my head and then slam it down as fast and as hard as I can. Right. So then it becomes, would you rather educate your people? Or put them in this giant glass box, which one, looks bad. Two, it makes stuff sound bad. The yep. main reason we pushed to get out of there was because it made our broadcast mix sound so bad. Mm-hmm. Because the cage was a was square, reflective walls, not a lot of absorption. And like oh. you're talking about, you hit the drum and it bounces. You get flutter back and forth inside yep. the box, which gets picked up as, the, as weird bleed in the mics and everything sounded like garbage. Luckily, ours is not square. Well, yeah, it helps if you build it with a curve or, yeah. you know, Ours is more rounded angles or and whatever. Our roof is, our. we have a foam roof on it, and then we also have a foam back wall. So, like, we do have some absorption in there, but you still get resonance. Now, luckily, this campus yep. doesn't live stream. Yeah. And there's no intention necessarily for yep. it to live stream. But, like, um, we have some drummers that I'm like, I don't need to turn the snare on. Yep. At all. I barely need to have the overheads in the house. Yeah. Uh, there's even one guy that plays occasionally that I'm like, I don't have to turn the toms on. All I'm micing, the, the only mic that's on in the room is then the kick. Yep. 
Well, and so, oh, that's the other part of that I was going to go. So it's like there's a second half of, of this that we have to remember. It's like, so talking about playing the room. Yeah. You know, I come from a jazz background. It's really easy to play the room when you can hear everything. Yep. When you got ears in, it's a lot harder for two reasons. One, you have to have your kit mic'd well mm-hmm. and correctly. And balanced in your ears. Well, that's the second part. And not even balanced. Like, like I actually usually turn it up a little louder. Like, this is an easy way. If you're struggling with this and you yep. want to go cageless and you have ears, take your drummer's drum mix and turn it up, like, two clicks. Oh, I have, I've done that occasionally where, like... Like, it should, if you're playing with ears in and you have good ears and well mic kit, if you get big on your snare drum, like, too big... It should hurt a little bit. I I did that at my last church one time. There was a drummer we had come in that I kept reminding him, hey, just Turn pull it back. Up. Pull it back. Pull it back. And we had just the baffles just to help yeah. kind of bleed with bleed. Yep. But we had a smaller space. We were 650 seats. Yep. This is the 18-foot high room. Like, it, it's not a huge space. And, you know, we did, we got away without a shield. Yeah. Um. It was fantastic. I loved it. We spent a lot of money on that drum kit. I spent a good amount on the mics for it. It was, I love baffles. Same thing though. Uh-huh. Same thing loved as the rest it. of them. You have to have good, and this is why it's like, is it electric or acoustic? You're mm-hmm. going to spend good money on good drums. Yep. You're going to spend good money on good mics. Right. You're going to spend good money on probably shy baffles for the cymbals. And uh, if and good cymbals. Going back to even amplifiers, you should spend good money on emulators if you're moving yep. that route. Yeah, like the Hilux stuff is really good. Like that's same what we thing use. as uh, same but, thing as amps though. Good amps cost money. Good emulators cost money. Good right. anything costs money. Yeah, but like they always taught us in recording school, garbage in equals garbage out. Yes. Unfortunately, there's no way around it. Um, if you got a five dollar amp emulator, it doesn't matter if you have a ten thousand, like a fifty thousand dollar sound system. It's going to sound like crap, and you can fair. only polish a turd so much with EQ and compression at the front yep. of the house. It's much easier for you to buy a nice guitar emulator and have a less nice mixer or a less nice PA, because you can upgrade those later, and you can still make those sound good. You can still make those sound good if your sound guy doesn't have to put any EQ on it and it just sounds good. It makes everybody's life easier, yep. and you're going to be much happier in your ears anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our TED Talk for the week. Yeah. Uh, just the less stage volume, the better. Correct. I always say. Uh, and unless it's feedback. drum sets. Keep your acoustic drum sets and teach your drummer's <laughs> dynamics. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cage-free. Cage-free. Learn dynamics. Learn dynamics, and cymbal baffles are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or a half height shield, but those are debatable still. Even. Yeah, I, yeah. I I don't particularly like ours, but it's better than the full height that we were looking at doing. They were looking at doing another six foot, and I was just like, Ugh. the oh, four foot yeah. at least to like allow some to escape, and yeah, you know, and it's still it's square, it's half inch plexi, like. Being four foot high means all the sound escapes instead of resonating back into the kit. But it's not really a point to that, I no. don't think. But whatever. Everyone else said they heard a big difference. Yeah, because I... they saw a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. And nine them. times out of ten, sound is more what people can see than what they can hear. Yeah, unfortunately. We had somebody who um, 
I, I once had somebody complain about a guitar volume uh, be, because the guitarist was playing a flying V. Oh my gosh! And I was Seriously? like, I was like, his my his guitar is not even on. And they're just like, what? And then he turned his guitar on. He's like, they're like, oh, now I can hear it. And I was, I was like, you were yeah, just complaining it's that it's too loud. Yeah, it wasn't even on yet. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, I was like, it's all, it's all visual. Get out your head, friends. Yes, that's his guitar. Get over it. So, well, there we go. Social medias. Yes. Should we do a plug? Discord, join the Discord. Join the Discord. Ask, ask questions. questions. We need those. Uh, once, yeah, we definitely we we need more conversations, people. Yeah. Um, once we get to uh, interactive conversations, maybe we should start some. Yeah. Once we get to twenty subscribers, we'll do a live night on our Discord, and um, you guys can ask us questions live, and we'll answer them, and then we'll uh, we can record that and upload it as a podcast episode, and then yeah. Um, 20, the number is 20, 20 okay. subscribers. I think the last time I checked, we had 11. Okay. So get your friends. That um, sounds good. Facebook, Facebook, have you tried rebooting? Facebook? We're going to, I'm going to try to be better at posting to it. We're not always good at that. Yeah. What I'm going to be trying to try to be better. Uh, but remember you can always message it. Alex and I both get notifications. Yep. If you guys message questions to it. We will get that. We'll be able to make a podcast episode on the questions. Also, email us, email us at have you tried rebooting dot podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a good week. Bye.